0: Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast Divisional Round Review. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to recap all of that exciting action that we just got to consume here on Saturday and Sunday. Joining me, as always, Fantasy Life Director of Analytics All-Around Baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we have some good football on this weekend, man. Do you enjoy it?
1: We had some great football, man. Last night was excellent. I mean, all all the games were were good. Obviously, the Ravens kind of controlled theirs, but it was a great weekend. You know, it's cold and rainy here, Ian, so I'm kind of feeling like the guys out there, even though I'm under a roof, trying to get, you know, in the mode of playoff football. I always forget, like, how much the weather changes late in the season and uh, how much it can really impact games and play calling. And while there's part of you that just wants to see – you know, all these teams play in a dome and just get to cut it loose all the time. And not that that was even the problem with some of these teams this weekend. Like, I I think there's some other stuff we'll talk about in today's show, but, uh, it's still fun because it's different. It's different than what we're used to. So getting to see like a different version of football, even though you might want like the most optimal conditions, like in the playoffs, it's still fun. And it, it honestly, it reminds me of when I fell in love with football growing up, like, because I wasn't. I didn't play fantasy or anything. I just <laughs> liked the game. And you love snow games. You love games where even if there's snow not on the field all around the place. So like last night in Buffalo, that was a great scene. I got to say, my, I feel bad for for the Bills fans. Uh, I thought they were finally going to pull it out. Now my wife loves Patrick Mahomes. So like we were rooting for him. But man, it's just I, I feel bad for Josh Allen. I feel bad for the team. I feel bad for the Bills fans. I'm just happy you didn't say you feel
0: bad for the kicker. You know, man, if you want to get off the field for doing one no. thing all game, you should probably also face the most of the brunt when you mess up that one thing. So obviously, really bad weekend for the kickers. I thought uh, Matt LaFleur had the quote, really, of the entire week when he talked about what he what goes through his mind when he watches a kicker go out there, quote unquote, every time he goes out there, I just pray we are with you, Coach LaFleur. So <laughs> tough losses, obviously, for the Bills and the Packers. More on that in just a little bit, but going to go chronologically and thus start off with the Ravens taking down the Texans 34-10, to covering as 10-point favorites. The game total of 44 did end up pushing in this one. So, a very competitive first half of football. We had Steven Sims, former backup Washington superstar wide receiver, go out there and take a punt back to the house, and that ended up being the only time that the Texans were able to find the end zone. Really did see the, you know, MVP version of Lamar Jackson come alive in the second half and ended up not being close down the stretch. So, Ravens will now host their First AFC championship in team history. Lest we forget, they are actually the original Cleveland Browns who moved over in what, 98, 99, something around then. So, Speaking of Lamar Jackson, our DraftKings player of the week, shout out to our lovely sponsors over at DraftKings. 152 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, with another 100 rushing yards and two scores on the ground. He now has three career postseason games with at least 100 plus rushing yards. Every other quarterback ever has just four. And I think that is the thing about the conversation with Lamar Jackson. Yes, I understand that quarterback, we need to put more emphasis on the passing stats, but I think everyone fully accepts that Lamar is a great rusher like truly one of the best we've seen but even then Dwayne I'm not sure if it actually gets put into uh, his you know argument just among the league's very best quarterbacks enough as it should obviously he can rack up the rushing yards but we can also have an offense with freaking Gus Edwards Justice Hill and Dalvin Cook picking up yards on the ground Lamar is the key that unlocks this you know great version of the Ravens offense and right now based on the early spread they are the favorites to to leave the AFC and enter the Super Bowl
1: yeah man lamar is having a great season it's his best season um besides you know the 2018 or 17 what was it 2018 19 19 19, whenever he just went absolutely berserk he was like 0.91 fantasy points per drop back like something insanity we had never seen he's up to 0.65 this season which is tied for first if we exclude anthony richardson and his small sample otherwise richardson would be in first place so don't forget that next year guys um but when you look at Lamar like you already talked about the rushing look he's second in the league right now and if you guys want to see this kind of stuff you can do it over at fantasylife.com for free just go to the utilization tools and if you want to see where these guys rank just go to season stats and you can actually filter or you can you know you can actually sort these and for any of these that you want, but I'm just on design rushing attempts right now. Jalen Hurts had the most 23% on the season. Lamar Jackson was second at 18%. And then whenever you look at scramble rate for quarterbacks with at least 250 snaps, and this is including Taysom Hill. So he didn't really count. He would be at 19%. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is a second at 12%. Also a small sample. I should just bump the sample up. huh? Yeah. Lamar Jackson though, 11% full-time quarterbacks. He also has the highest scramble rate. So definitely get it done, getting it done with his legs. But, In the passing game, man, 67% completion percentage, if we include this weekend, that's the best in his career. Eight yards per passing attempt, that is also the best in his career. Uh, That 2019 season was 7.8, so even better than that. So looking at Lamar, yeah, he's not having to throw the ball as much, but uh, when he is doing it, he's being very efficient, and that was, again, without Mark
0: Andrews, and we could have him back next week mentioned the two touchdowns. First one went to Nelson Aguilar. Second one was an awesome catch by Isaiah Likely. Ended up mossing the Texans. Very best corner, Derek Stingley Jr. for what ended up being a, let's see, 19-yard touchdown. So there was a play earlier in the game where definitely wasn't a gimme. I didn't even write it down as a sheesh, but, you know, Lamar tried to thread it into Likely and Likely just said, you know, put that thing up in the air and let me go get it. Lamar gave him the chest pat and sure enough later they managed to execute it. So another really nice, nice stretch from Likely. It does seem like Mark Andrews should be back next week. Managed to practice in full throughout, you know, this entire week. Had the questionable tag, just end up getting downgraded out. But even if we do see likely back in that, you know, secondary role, Dwayne, six touchdowns in seven games without Andrews. Only averaged four point four targets in those games, but managed to be efficient, average again of three point three receptions and fifty-one yards. So really does at this point remind me more and more of what we had to watch Dallas Goddard go through earlier in his career. Never really got to be this consistent fantasy. Producer, as long as Zach Ertz wasn't injured. But once we did see that opportunity, he was obviously able to run with it. That's what we are seeing from Likely. And it is one of those things, Dwayne, where if we do see him creeping down at the very bottom of the tight end, you know, ADP again next year, probably not as low as he was after this performance. But he is truly, I know we had to kind of second guess this after some of the first performances of the year. Isaiah Likely truly is pretty much the only fantasy viable handcuff. Yeah,
1: and we'll see what they do with Odell Beckham Jr because uh, we thought maybe this game they would open things up, perhaps yeah. they had really just been saving OBJ and uh it was going to be time to like unleash him in the playoffs. And that didn't that just didn't come to fruition this weekend. Ian, you only saw Odell Beckham Jr out there for a 28% route participation. That's one of his lowest marks of the year. Now the game was in hand. Um you know, they weren't blowing the Texans out all game, but I don't think they ever feared for their playoff lives at any point during this game. So Maybe that has something to do with that, or maybe it's just they're going to just keep rotating these guys. But if that's the case, they're not going to keep, you know, they're not going to pay OBJ what they did this year, like to keep him around. And maybe next year that opens up the opportunity for just more two tight end sets. I think right now, if you look at this team, Zay Flowers is clearly the top receiver on the team. Well, Mark Andrews is the best, but he's not available right now. But let's say they're all healthy. Mark Andrews is the best option on the team. Zay Flowers is second. I think you would have to say that Isaiah likely is third. So I think you've got to find a way to get more 12 personnel or heck, you don't have to call it two tight ends sets. Just put the guy on the slot and call him a big slot wide receiver. I don't really care what you do, but he does give you so much. Now he's not like earning huge targets, 13% targets per route run on the season and hasn't honestly seen the uptick that you would hope for. You kind of mentioned it only getting the four targets yeah. per game. You would hope with, you know, Andrew's out that we would see him be able to get closer to like 20%. But to your point, he continues to come through with big plays, scoring the touchdown and also yards per catch like that is up. And so he's just a guy that, you know, he knows how to make it happen when he does get the ball in his hands. And I just think we can't ever dismiss someone like that. But if I'm the Ravens and I'm looking at my offense, I just start to find it really hard to not have Isaiah likely on the field. I think he's one of your most explosive playmakers.
0: And obviously, Todd Monk, and one of the thoughts coming into this year was that based on the work he did at Georgia with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, utilizing obviously those two, two tight end sets of plenty of success, could have seen more usage on that this year. Maybe just maybe it's more of a 2024 thing. Regardless, though, this Lamar Jackson led aerial attack has certainly surpassed, I think, even the highest expectations we might have had coming into this season. We did see a new backfield uh, companion, though, Dwayne. Again, Gus Evers, Justice Hill getting the majority of the work, but Dalvin cook coming in and looking spry on his first carry 19 yard run he had 67 carries with the Jets and never had a rush longer than 14. so what did you see from a utilization aspect Dwayne because as one of I'm sure many upset Gus Edwards anytime touchdown betters out there let's see a little bit too much justice hope for my liking
1: yeah for sure and, and look I I would be lying to you if I said that I can tell you how to decipher the Ravens backfield <laughs> we know that Gus Edwards is going to get the carries inside the five and we know that typically Justice Hill is going to get the passing downs. Outside of that, I really don't know much um, because we've seen it bounce back and forth. It seems to be matchup-based. It seems to be what they think the defensive front for the opposing team, what their weakness is. Like, are they going to be more weak? Uh, maybe maybe they're a smaller, faster defense that depends on speed, which I would kind of qualify, really, Kansas City as that, right? Like, they'll put a lot of guys in the box, but they don't have a lot of beef outside of uh, Chris Jones that they've got pass rushers. It could be a Gus Edwards weekend, perhaps next week, but maybe this past week with the Texans really being better. Texans have been one of the better teams against the run all season, whereas the Chiefs haven't, and they just let Justice Hill do his thing. But again, I'm just speculating. I can't tell you for sure that that seems to be what it is. But we do have this three-way split. Dalvin was really more towards the end of the game, but kind of looks like what we saw early on with Keaton when Keaton Mitchell just started working his way in. I'm not saying that Dalvin's going to get that same kind of role, but if you think back early on, Keaton Mitchell wasn't getting, you know, that 40, 35% snap share. It started off with just giving him 20%. And that's what we saw from Dalvin Cook this weekend. Well, slightly under that 13% snap share, but he had 21% of the rushing attempts. So I don't know if he'll just be a guy that comes in when the game's out of hand. Like that could still be his role. I do think Edwards and Hill are the, are the main two guys. But there's just too many players to feed, Ian, because we already talked about Lamar Jackson. He's really the the running back one of the team. And then you've got to deal with not knowing who is going to get the carries behind Edwards and, and Justice Hill. It's just kind of gone
0: all over the place. Ravens going to be taking on the Chiefs again at home next Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Right now, the Ravens are favored by three points over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Should be one hell of a show next weekend. Over with the Texans, again mentioned their only touchdown actually came from Steven Sims, so really was an afternoon. to forget from CJ Stroud? Didn't take any sacks, didn't throw any interceptions. I mean, he didn't actually go out there and just like spiral into a ball of flames or anything like that, but it was objectively one of his worst performances of the season. So far this year only had four games with under 10 fantasy points from purely purely passing production and only four games with a yards per attempt under six not a coincidence that two of those four games came against the Ravens for both stats so again Dwayne I don't want to take too much away from this because this Ravens defense is absolutely spectacular and just with Stroud at this point in the season you can only do so much with truly at this point only one overly viable wide receiver to throw the ball to and Nico Collins so you know didn't exactly end the way Texans fans would have thought, I mean, not not would have thought, would have hoped for just given that, hey, you're one of the final eight teams, you're hoping for a Super Bowl. That didn't work out, but everything else aside Dwayne, still an absolutely spectacular season for Stroud for the Texans. All the reason in the world to believe the future remains very, very bright.
1: Yeah, I think Stroud's a borderline top six quarterback going into next year. Yeah. Um like if I had to start a team today after Mahomes and Allen, I think Stroud might be my pick. Like if I was like running an NFL team, if I was drafting a dynasty team tomorrow, I think Stroud might be my QB three. Look, I love Lamar, but the questions are once he can't run around like this anymore, what are you going to have? And I don't know how much longer you can count on that from Lamar. It's not going away next year or anything, but I think Stroud has shown an ability to, you know, beat defenses in a way that he could probably do it for the next 20 years. As long as, you know, he doesn't take any serious injuries. So I, I really do like Stroud. And then Nico Collins, you know, just continuing to ball out this weekend. Ian, I know he didn't come through necessarily in a huge way for fantasy managers in the box score, you know, only 12 fantasy points, but a 36% target share. The dude in the last four games, since he's basically gotten back healthy from that calf injury, target shares of 26%, 36%, 33%, 36%. Here is Yard shares over that stretch. Guess what two things correlate most highly with scoring fantasy points at wide receiver, targets and air yards. So Nico Collins is a guy that I know we've already talked about him a little bit, but it's one of those questions of how high can he go? He has a yards per route run of 3.11 now on the season, only behind Tyreek Hill. You've mentioned this before, Uh, 26% targets per route run on the season. Uh, Looking at just – his body of work over this year, and the fact that he's gotten better every year of his career, Ian, I have a hard time thinking that Nico Collins isn't a guy that carries wide receiver one upside, even with Tank with Tank Dell back next year. But at worst case, I think you get a really good wide receiver two. Maybe it's kind of hard to determine which one's going to get there each week. But with everything we just said about Stroud, this could be one of those teams that could have two wide receivers that could
0: finish you know, in like the top 18, and you could feel really comfortable about it. So if we're looking at just a way too early 2024 fantasy football QB ranking, we're giving Josh Allen the benefit of the doubt. I yep. agree with you with Lamar as he gets older, but at least for next year, I think next year you're going Lamar. Yeah, for sure. Probably Mahomes, probably Dak, probably Hurts.
1: Like I, I think I think I would go with Stroud. I might, I might go ahead and go with Stroud over Dak just for the, yeah. I feel like he can already do what Dak does. The question mm-hmm. is like, could he take another step right beyond yep. Dak? Um yeah and with Mahomes, like the man the big question is the offseason what we'll get to them in a minute i won't even start down that road they're (laughs) gonna have to make improvements uh even though they won that game and i think you can kind of say the same thing for josh allen i mean you'll have dalton kincaid coming in the next year but josh allen runs so much like he's good i'm i'm still taking jalen hurts ahead of stroud as well Mm -hmm. i think jalen hurts was playing hurt at the end of the year they've obviously got to figure some things out with their offense but They've got three really good playmakers. I think the Eagles passing game will be in good shape next year, and then you're still going to get tush-push all over the place. Uh, So I think I'm taking those two for sure over Stroud. I'm taking Lamar Jackson over Stroud. But after that, that's kind of for me where it stops, and it's like it's a conversation.
0: I I think
1: Stroud's in the conversation with Mahomes
0: stroud mahomes dad you got burrow McKenzie being that too well, that's the other thing we <laughs> have burrow, burrow. <laughs> we have herbert we have justin fields we have a healthy kyle murray jordan love just finished as the qb5 like he I'm deserves to you. at least be in that conversation i, agree. I
1: agree it's gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy uh really juicy fat middle tier of quarterbacks where honestly, if you're drafting a bunch of teams, you're just going to want to mix them all up. Probably not like try to hit your wagon to any one guy too much. Yep. You're going to want to spread it around. Um, but like if you're drafting in one league, you know, you got your one home league, man, that's going to be a tough decision. And, and, you know, we'll talk about it a bunch more this off season, but uh, the Texans are a very, very exciting team moving forward. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for years to come of great fantasy offense.
0: And that's the thing, man. I just named eleven quarterbacks that are either the Stroud, Burrow, like in their prime, young. We could see them throwing for fifty touchdowns, or they have that, you know, enough of a dual threat ability, or Justin Herberts, or Jordan loves to feasibly have the ceiling of a Fields, a Kyler, of a Lamar type of quarterback. But I didn't even mention the Matthew Stafford's, the Jared Goff's, Kirk Cousins, Richardson. Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, Tua Tagovailoa, maybe even Deshaun Watson coming off the shoulder injury at half the cost that he was going this year. And where does he Caleb
1: Williams the- land? With oh you know, God. he's not the same kind of dual threat like that some of these other guys are but he has some running ability and drake yeah, may supposed
0: to be a dog this is looking yeah. deep dwayne
1: yeah yeah core and it's it's good for the future of of the nfl oh, yeah. like like what you mentioned a lot of these guys are not they're not descending right they're not they're not guys that are you know getting up there in age and we're worrying like when's it all going to stop for them most of these guys are young or in their
0: prime Final two notes, Lamar and Stroud each did have an interception drop. So they each got, you know, a little bit lucky, at least on one occasion out there. And also, Dwayne, I was cackling at some of your tweets, pointing out how Aikman just, good thing Troy Aikman doesn't write our shoes report, Dwayne. That thing would be about three times as long because he just (laughs) He'd be be, writing that
1: thing until you'd be, it'd take you the whole week to write it.
0: (laughs) Bro, it was like a screen and he's like, oh, you know, if this doesn't get tipped, like we're talking about just, or not Justice Hill, I think it was like Singletary going 80 yards. Man, we are talking about an optimist when he gets that. uh, the in front of them.
1: (laughs) You know, we all have our are like time fillers when you're letting your brain like reformulate formulate the yeah. next sentence you're going to say so you don't sound like a complete moron and i think honestly that's troy's go-to it's like if he doesn't know what to say and he's trying to figure out like what the next sentence is going to be and he's like you know and if if so-and-so doesn't bat that ball down that that's a touchdown you know <laughs> and it's and then it immediately then the like the producing team like will pan to a shot and there's like four defenders all right there in front of the guy you're like dude he's gonna like have to hit the juke move the he's gonna have to hit the juke button spin button hurdle a dude and then outrun another angle and then yes maybe troy (laughs) The, the worst one was the uh the sideline pass to, uh, God, who was it? The third one was the most egregious. It was like over his head, out <laughs> of bounds, tight, contested coverage. I can't even remember who the player was now. But the third one, it's funny, as I put the tweet out there, I said he's good for it three times a game after he said it the first time. Immediately, boom, he hits another one, and everybody's coming in. And then, like, within another quarter, he hits. He, he hit the trifecta in the first half. He got there. Troy, shout out to you. You didn't hit the
0: over. You just pushed. You stayed at three. You didn't do it a fourth time. Okay. <laughs> I will say I think Aikman has been, you know, rising up the former Cowboys commentator rankings here in the last year or two. I think people have preferred maybe a little bit of his optimistic self versus whatever nonsense Romo ends up spewing out when his brain doesn't stop churning some of these times. But more on that, maybe in just a little bit. Let's move on to the Saturday night game. The 49ers took down the Packers 24 to 21. Green Bay did cover as 10 half-point dogs, the under cash at 50 and a half. The 49ers now have now reached the NRC Championship game in each of the past three seasons. And four of the past five years overall. And Dwayne, they are now 1 30 under Kyle Shanahan when they trail by five more points entering the fourth quarter. So that really was a story here. Didn't look good for them throughout the majority of this game. Brock Purdy looked horrible. But hey, Dwayne, as long as you can win the game at the end, you can still exit with Joe Montana comps and everything is fine. So I was kind
1: of surprised at the national narrative, like after that one drive. Oh my God, and the 49ers I wasn't. protecting him so much just to get a field goal i could i was kind of surprised that so many people came out and were like you know brock purdy hushes the critics i'm like <laughs> did he really like i not from the game that i look credit to him they won the game but let's be honest the packers outplayed them yeah. for 55 minutes i mean the 49ers were on the freaking ropes and it had everything to do with brock purdy having the complete yips for a good portion of that game and you had a good tweet about it. It's like, it's like Brock Purdy without Debo. So basically if he doesn't know automatically, okay, man coverage, IU zone coverage, Debo, you take one of those two things away and it's like his brain like short circuits. I'm not saying he can't over or ever overcome that. Look, sure. the guy has drastically outperformed our expectations when he was drafted. There was no, there were no expectations for Brock yeah. Purdy. So hat tip to him. Like he's done a, a great job from that perspective. He's shown he can come out and operate the 49ers offense when it's, hitting on all cylinders, but now we're in the playoffs. Like you got to show that you're more than that. And I don't think that he did that in that game.
0: And look, this isn't to say that, Oh, he's now trash. Like we can have a middle ground guys. And this was the exact same conversation when he was getting all the MVP talk, which we pushed back on he can be a good quarterback and not trash and just not the freaking league MVP. And that's been the most annoying part about this entire backlash. But you talk about those yips, Dwayne, my goodness. I mean, two dropped interceptions out there that I have no idea. Right about away. Yeah. Like just horrific ones. Like really like horrible read in the chest, dropped interceptions caliber. He also had a bad miss to Rare McLeod in the fourth quarter. That if it wasn't going to be a touchdown, should have at least been a chunk gain and the whole gloves thing, man. He had them on the first drive. He takes them off. I have never seen a quarter back wipe his hands during the middle of an active play until I saw Brock Purdy do that on Saturday
1: night. that was actually pretty sweet that he was able to pull that off
0: <laughs> I guess it was that's one way of looking at it so hey again, I would have
1: probably fumbled the snap if I went to do that as the ball yeah. was coming to me
0: <laughs> look like he just did it without even thinking about it which is even crazier but hey he had the nice touchdown to George Kittle clutch nine yard scramble he ended up leading them, 69 yards nice 12 plays yeah. for the go-ahead touchdown but I mean my god like at the end of this game He hits Chris Conley on a routine deep out, and they were acting like it was, you know, Mahomes or Josh Allen making one of those throws that we saw on Sunday night. So, Purdy, it's perfectly fine. I'm not saying that he's a. I actually think Cam Newton's whole kind of breakdown of some guys, you know, basically can be the system, some guys need to run the system. Like, I think Cam freaking nailed it and I don't know why he got so much pushback on that one cam let's face it knows a hell of a lot more about playing quarterback than any of us jabronis talking about the game in the first place so again I'm not sitting here saying Brock Purdy isn't a top 20 quarterback but I would like to think Dwayne to just add a little bit of nuance and context other than saying oh he got the win and then Jordan Love didn't like come on because if you watch those two quarterbacks I think we can all agree if you switch them I don't think this one would have been close
1: I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan would take Jordan Love this morning Yes. Like after watching that performance, I will. um. So look, and I know Jordan Love didn't play perfect. We'll get to him in a second. But from a fantasy perspective, look, we're fine with with Brock Purdy. He's another one of these names that next year will probably honestly get pushed too far down draft board.
0: I should have included him um, in the Stafford, Golf, Cousins, Tua group.
1: 100%. Yeah, he is in that group. I mean, if the if the Forty Nineers offense is back is back fully intact, and as long as they're healthy, he's shown us that he can come out he can come out and he can operate the offense. He's also shown us that he's clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo, right? So I don't think we're debating that Jimmy G. We always said, Hey, he can come through in some big games for you when he has all the weapons Purdy has consistently come through from a fantasy perspective this year. Like he's been a very consistent fantasy quarterback. He's given you a few duds, but for the most part, you've been satisfied with your output from Brock Purdy. So as long as the 49ers are coming back healthy with everything next year, like I, I think you know Brock Purdy could end up being a guy that, to your point, he's at that borderline QB one, but he could still he could still end up performing like a top four fantasy quarterback. Um, he's been good enough for that. I think where it just gets off the hinges is when we start trying to you know say he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL or that he needs to be the MVP when really he's not even the best player on his team. That that's the only problem I have, and that does that doesn't mean I hate Brock Purdy. I really don't. I like Brock Purdy. I'm happy for him. I mean, point six two fantasy points per dropback. The only two quarterbacks ahead of him. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and how does Purdy do it yes because he has all the playmakers how did how do Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen do it because they're just complete badasses and they can do it no matter who's around them so it's there is a difference between
0: those two things and I love just the call out. Yes, Purdy is absolutely better than Jimmy Garoppolo was, particularly when the play does break down. Yes. Maybe we didn't see a ton of it out there, but I don't think we're getting too many nine-yard uh, clutch scrambles out of Jimmy G in those situations. Lily's barking. She agrees Lily with me like as G. well.
1: I don't know. Does that mean she doesn't like Purdy or she does uh, That's a good
0: point, actually. Well, she picked the 49ers <laughs> in her uh, camp. Yeah. So she got that right. Nice uh, performance from Lily, the wiener dog on that one. But yeah, I mean, even go back to that Washington game at the end of the regular season and Purdy, you know, rolls out by some time, you know, ends up throwing it back. Like, he could make some plays off script, but man, again, we've now seen four games this year when you take away Debo Samuel, just one of their awesome playmakers, the offense starts to look awfully average, awfully quickly. So, obviously, Christian McCaffrey back there helps matters. 98 rushing yards, 70 receiving, two more touchdowns. He now has 36 and 31 games with the 49ers. That is pretty freaking good. But yeah, otherwise, Dwayne, I think the biggest thing to monitor here is just how healthy Debo will be ahead of next weekend's matchup obviously against the Lions so the 49ers quote-unquote consider it 50-50 as to whether Debo will be able to suit up but good news Dwayne I mean as if there's any doubt his x-rays did come back negative on that shoulder so good news there you know sure this won't be the last that we all you know can talk about just how good Kyle Shanahan did
1: say it was the same kind of injury shoulder injury he had earlier in the season and he missed two games with that now it's playoffs so like my guess is you know he's going to get a shot and try to be out there but re-injury will probably be a concern
0: dude we saw him playing earlier this year through it at less than 100 percent Debo's one of those guys where he is so physical I like I've said this before about ribs and shoulder injuries or running backs and I'm not trying to say Debo's a running back but you guys see the yak and the broken tackle ability he is a
1: running back when the ball's in his hands right there's anything wrong with saying that and that's a compliment
0: yes (laughs) Well, and accordingly, I think in 2022, when he was playing through a lot of pain and for portions of the first half of this season, you see he is a different player when forced to operate at less than 100%, just like any of these 49ers are because there's only one football to go around. So, hey, again, as much as Dwayne and I and any other quote-unquote haters out there want to put Purdy down, he is, once again, in the NFC Championship game. The man knows how to win, Mr. Clutch, whatever you want to call it. Good for him and good for 49ers fans. On the other side of the football, again, really was an impressive performance from Jordan Love up until that last drive when he decided to go full Brett Favre really was shocking to see just how similar that ill-advised throwback over the middle of the field was that was crazy of course uh, compared to Favre's against the Saints back when he was on the Vikings so yeah his touchdowns were both fairly wide open but again just a couple of those third down conversions Dwayne I thought you had a great tweet where it's just like at this point we're now going on two and a half months of him looking not even like a good quarterback like a legit top five quarterback I mean I'd video go up on fantasy Left youtube last week just talking about how i would expect the accuracy to at least come back to earth a little bit but either way Dwayne, he is the real deal holy field and the packers should be thrilled to have jordan love as a quarterback of the present and the future
1: yeah i mean just the calm cool collectedness that he shows i know at the end there was a meltdown i get it yeah uh but overall like in the face of pressure or even when there's not pressure you'll see a lot of quarterbacks they just get happy feet and they get nervous and they freak out he just he just seems to be so even killed, right? And he's just taking everything in stride and and just the ability to make all the throws really like from anywhere, in the pocket, leaving the pocket, outside of the pocket. He's got all the different arm angles, like all those things. He can hit the deep throws. He's hitting the underneath stuff. Like he has just made huge strides. Obviously, you did some great research on this. Guys that didn't play so well in the first half of the season and then suddenly just, you know, were outrageously good over the second half of the year. And there were some guys on there that were, you know, duds the next season. Uh, but there were a lot of guys that were kind of in between. And then there were a few that went on to just become absolute. you know, that was kind of the beginning of them, right. you know, heading to greatness. So if I had to choose today, I think it's the beginning of Jordan Love heading to greatness. And I think the floor is it's that middle ground. I, I just don't, you know, Maybe I'm wrong, and Jordan Love is just what he was in the first half of the season. But just the defenses he's done it against, the consistency that he's shown, um, and just the ability to handle all the pressure. I think Jordan Love looks great. I mean, these throat dude, he's just dropping absolute dimes when he has to have them. Uh, like I said, like whether it's on the move or from the pocket, it's just, it's it's really amazing to see
0: for the second straight week, most of that production was going to Romeo Dobbs, end up catching four of six targets, for 83 yards, also drew at least one pretty long defensive pass interference penalty, but it really was, Dwayne, just kind of death by a thousand paper cuts in terms of one Packers pass catcher after another, finding a way to make a play. Nobody had more than six targets, and that's kind of been the theme throughout the entire season. I mean, each of Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Kraft had between 350 and 900 ten receiving yards so really never was one true pass catcher to emerge as the undisputed number one pass game option now without the hamstring injuries I do believe Christian Watson probably would have been that guy but man Dwayne we're going to have more than a few conversations about how to exactly rank these guys because I think we can find different portions of the season where you say okay Christian Watson's that guy and then you look at the last five or so weeks of the year and it's oh Jaden Reed oh my gosh look how good he is and then here we are in the playoffs and Romeo Dobbs looks like the number one in Green Bay
1: Yeah, if I had to pick, I would still put my chip probably on Jaden Reed just because he had such a really good rookie season. Yeah. Uh Watson, I think, is the guy with he still has insane upside, but I mean, can he ever get past all these hamstring injuries? It's just it's just repeatedly. Um and he will eventually have a good he will eventually have have a season where he stays healthy all year. The problem is like, can it come early enough in his career? And next year's probably Like that cutoff. Like he's gotta do it next year, or he's in danger of being one of these guys like a DJ Chark, right? Just will rotate around the teams. Yeah, he's got the deep speed, but never really becomes like one of the primary guys for a team because they don't want to have to count on him. So Watson, I think the talent's there. You know, he took a step forward this last weekend. He did surpass Dontavian Wicks with a 54% route participation versus 40% for Wicks. But the challenge is Ian. Will any of these guys even be full time players because Wicks played so well this year, like we could be talking about a four to five player rotation, Bo Melton, no clue if they'll even bring him back. I have no clue. But if they do like he's been good enough, you at least have to consider. Okay, great. Like, is he going to be part of a rotation? And that seems to be really what they want, even to your point, like the injuries have forced more of that. But I think with the way it worked out at the end of this year and how well they played, I would not be surprised at all if the coaching staff goes into the offseason with the mindset of, hey, we want to keep something like that going. And that could be problematic for fantasy managers because we just won't know which week uh, which guys are going to pop off. So won't be that big of a challenge for best ball. You know, you'll be able to load up on a lot of these guys and pair them up with Jordan Love. But if you're having to pick every single week, the one I would I would count on the most right now would be Jaden Reed. And even he has his own flaws in because we've seen when they decide to go to that 12 personnel, if he's only getting to play from the slot, I can already hear it next year. We'll be writing our preseason pieces. The the thing to watch for every team we will be doing our pod. And for Jaden Reed, it'll be, is he getting to play outside when they're in 12 personnel? I can already hear it now. And if he's not, and he's only the slot guy, well, then that's going to hurt him as well. But I, I just think you got to lean into his talent, man. Twenty-three percent targets per route run on the season—that is really good for a rookie, even when you're playing inside from the slot. Yeah, only eighteen percent of the team air yards, nine point nine nine A dot this season. We would like to see that higher. But my one thing with Jaden Reedian is like going back and thinking through the film and watching him—I got to watch him a lot this year, like. when he needed to like he came through with big plays down the field i saw him split safeties multiple times he can hit those seam routes and and we saw it in college this is not a guy that's just an underneath slot receiver when i watched all of the tape from him that i could get my hands on last year like this is a guy that can win outside he can win contested catches so i think he does have the complete package how much of that can translate to an every down success in the nfl i think that's still to be to be determined because we haven't seen him forced into that kind of role Mm -hmm but I think there is potential that he can grow into being like that Z wide receiver um, where he can be on the field more often in 2024.
0: Future obviously bright for pretty much all parties involved. I mean, I remember sitting here about four months ago just saying like, how can the Packers enter the season with the single youngest and the single cheapest wide receiver room out there? Now when I say that, it's absolutely terrifying to think about because they have the youngest and cheapest wide receiver room out there and they have no less than four or five parties who have proven capable of balling out. Even Bo Melton who did catch that 19-yard touchdown out of minimum, Bo is going to be a great name. Even the
1: 49ers for forgot about Bo Melton. Yeah, he's going to be a great <laughs> name in five years,
0: Dwayne, to everyone yeah. favorite game you know name a former uh wide receiver out there fun seeing that just i'll tell you right now
1: like uh if i'm the chiefs or i'm the bills yeah. whoever doesn't make it from this squad like if they're you know and bo melton's the one like he doesn't have a long-term contract sure. right now um like I, i'm giving that a sniff for sure i mean we haven't even talked about like malik heath has shown things in
0: the past and he can't get on the field right now with these other guys I mean, just talk about an organization that we I know we usually give for good reason. The Steelers, most of the credit for drafting, you know, these great wide receivers year after year. But even if we continue to give them the belt, Packers probably deserve to be number two because they've done all this without even using a first round pick on the position going back freaking two well, and a half decades now.
1: And you and not like to like to completely shoot strays in Aaron Rodgers direction, but he <laughs> always had his hand-picked dudes that he wanted out there. He wanted veteran Alan Lazard out there. Yeah. He wanted Randall Cobb on the field. You don't have any of that anymore. That's all gone. The coach and the GM are getting to make the complete calls as to who's being on the field with a guy like Love out there. And so I think that's also like something that helped them progress this year is Aaron Rodgers being gone and not having
0: to keep those veterans on the field because that's who he wants. And to be fair, as I'm pulling up a draft listing, yes, it is a little bit more these last two years. We had the Amari Rogers, Equinemius St. Brown, MVS, and, you know, Jamon Moore era going on there. But at a minimum, guys, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And to Dwayne's point, yeah, it turns out uh, Dontavian, Wicks, Jaden Reed, and some of these guys a bit better than the veterans who maybe just maybe know Rogers a little bit better at that point in time. But still two great games to break down. Everyone, before we continue going on, though, want to give a shout out to our friends over at at DraftKings because, guys, there are not four teams. One goal, make it to Las Vegas in just a few short weeks. But with all eyes on the prize, we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL, to get you in on the action. Right now, new customers who bet just $5 will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Yes, instantly. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up using my promo code Monday Night. one word, Monday Night, for your shot at the crown. That's right, new customers who bet just $5 will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering where you can use your $200 in bonus bets. Bets on? Well, combining multiple bets together from the same game for a shot at an even bigger payout is one such option. Also, if you're already signed up for DraftKings you can get a no sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same game parlay bet doesn't hit. Max reward limits apply. And if sports betting is not yet available in your state, don't worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy and have the chance to win cash prizes. So again, everyone, I know a lot of these reads, they end up being just for new customers only, but we will get you hooked up with a no sweat bet. You'll get a bonus bet back if your same game parlay does not hit again that is promo code monday night so last time everyone download the DraftKings sportsbook app now new customers using our promo code monday night and bet just five dollars on any wager where you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly as promo code monday night only at DraftKings sportsbook the crown is yours All right, guys, the Lions took down the Buccaneers. What a time to be alive. 31 to 23. Detroit covered as six-point favorites. The overcast here at 49 and a half. So, I didn't catch this in the moment, Dwayne, because the announcers just weren't paying attention at all. I figured the game was over, but... Jared Goff at the very end kneeled way too early and actually would have left the Bucks about 35 seconds on the clock if they had decided to use their final timeout. They would have forced a 48-yard field goal, and yeah, man, I don't know why they didn't do it. It was unlikely they were going to go down there and get those eight points at the end, but they asked Todd Bowles afterwards about it, and he said that, well, they had the field goal lined up. Again, 48 yards, not exactly a gimme. And they said they would have only had about 12 seconds left instead of 35. So very, very she-she kind of ending for Bucks fans. But to be honest, Lions certainly deserve to win that game regardless. So I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. Another very efficient effort from Jared Goff. 287 yards, two touchdowns, no picks on the playoffs now, guys, in two games with a clean pocket. He is 40 for 49, 450 yards with a pair of touchdowns and, again, zero interceptions. So I heard uh, – was it Aikman on this call? Again, I forget who was doing this call, Dwayne, but uh, they were just talking about golf throughout his career and how he's making the easy passes look easy and how that just hasn't always been the case. And that really has been the story for the Lions this year. Like, yes, as much as you will see Amon Ross St. Brown, who had another great game, 77 yards and a touchdown, or Jameer Gibbs, 114 total yards and a touchdown. Like, those two have certainly made plenty happen after the catch. And, you know, Gibbs obviously has a runner this year. But more than anything, it's a brilliantly schemed offense that just consistently has golf Goff making the right reads and getting the ball, with the open guy again, maybe not the craziest concept in the world, but this is what a great offense looks like when you got a quarterback like Goff making all the right moves each and every time he drops back.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it was Collinsworth and Tarico right, on the call, right. but, but yeah, I remember the moment in the game with what you're talking about, but, yeah, look, there's not a lot to have to say about the Lions here, other than they've just got a really good room. Yep. I mean, as far as talent goes, you've got Laporta, you've got Jameer Gibbs, um, obviously Amon Ross St. Brown. You're kind of still hoping Jamison Williams can 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 take a step forward, Ian. You know, I, this was kind of his weekend because Josh Reynolds got banged up in the game. Now he ended up returning um, but on one of his catches. He got kind of twisted up, and yep. Jamison, you know, I mean, he had a few targets, but still like only a 10% target share, 65% route participation. Man, if 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 he ended up being a hit, like this offense would be lethal. But right now, I think at this point if you've got to make a call on Jameson, I think we have to start leaning away from him. Not that he can't do it, not that he couldn't turn it around, but at this point, like if you had to make a call today, is Jameson Williams going to ever turn it in, into a superstar wide receiver or not i would say the answer is probably not and so that's unfortunate but the good news is they've got the other guys and man jameer in, averaging 5.25 yards per carry now on the season i mean this guy reminds me so much of alvin Kamara in that rookie season yeah. and you know it's not it's not just the aesthetics because they kind of remind me of each other just the way they <laughs> run and the way they look but just also like the production overall the roles that they play in Obviously, uh, Dan Campbell was around for a period of time when they had Mark Ingram slash Alvin Kamara going. and He was back, back in the day when he was on Sean Payton's staff. So he seems to be fully on board with this. But, man, just a guy averaging 16.61 fantasy points per game, and he's not even in a full-time role. Only 49% of the snaps on the season. Only 36% of the team's rushing attempts and still doing that. That is a very, very, very Camara rookie season kind of output at some point. Ian. And it may not be next year because David Montgomery's got another year on that deal. But at some point, we're going to see Jameer Gibbs as the lead back in an offense. And man, when that day comes, he's probably going to be, I mean, he's going to have a really good chance to be the running back one overall. I mean, we at least
0: saw a couple games this year, Dwayne, where no, yes. they didn't actually yeah, week seven. They gave him an oh, yeah. he went off <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't weekly, like 90% plus snap rates. They would use Craig Reynolds or one of these guys like to, you know, siphon away at least a few of especially the early down carries. But man, like we don't again, just like Kamara, man, we don't need the 2025 20, rush attempts. If we can just get the lead back role, you're going to get enough of a 12 to 15 carry role with the five plus targets per game that makes these sort of players fantasy cheat codes. We have seen Gibbs get used a lot more as a receiver after a rather random dry stretch. And we're talking about the last four games of the regular season. He only caught seven passes for 28 total yards. These first two games of the playoffs, though, so eight total catches for 83 total yards out there. Yeah, so- and
1: two and two games without Montgomery. Well, there were really three because mm-hmm. week four, Montgomery. Um, well, so sorry. So I'm looking at week eight. 30 fantasy points for Gibbs. That was Montgomery out week seven, 28 fantasy points. Montgomery was out for that game. And then if you look at week three, that was a game without Montgomery as well. He didn't come through that, that game. He gave you nine points. He was the RB 23 Mm -hmm. that week, but two out of three weeks, he was a top two running back
0: without David Montgomery. Again, absolute king shit out of Gibbs recently. I do think the receiving uptick could be a bit related to Khalif Raymond missing these games with the knee injury. Those are, you know, the sort of plays they like, you know, just low ADOC kind of just designed yak hitters. And clearly Gibbs more than capable of making big things happen with those himself. So at this point, Dwayne, I just wish he was getting the ball more. I mean, we're talking about a guy averaging, you know, five point seven to eight point eight yards per touch, just 25 touches over these past two weeks, because David Montgomery's still doing plenty of good things in his own right, but he really has contained to be the lead overall back. So I do think, you know, having a committee of sorts could be reasonable. But man, Dwayne, I would like to see Gibbs out touching Montgomery as the playoffs go on. Albeit again. Lions continue to score 30 plus points like clockwork. Who am I to overly disagree with what Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell are doing?
1: Yeah, I don't think we're going to see it because they've shown us this is how they want to run the offense. Yeah. They want a guy like Montgomery to come in and, you know, just kind of bang between the tackles and then to do their thing with Gibbs. And it's working. That's the other thing. As long as it continues (laughs) to work, they're not going to change that. So I think we probably see this a lot next year as well. But the good news is we've seen that Gibbs can be a running back one, even in a timeshare where he is getting less snaps and less touches than David Montgomery. I mean, since week 10, when they've both been healthy, Gibbs is averaging 11.2 carries per game. and You're looking at David Montgomery at 13.6. So they're pretty close. It's mm-hmm. a slight lead for Montgomery and then 4.1 targets per game to Gibbs and 1.6 targets for Montgomery. So total opportunities for each. It's almost even with really,
0: you know, just a slight lead right there for, for Jameer Gibbs on the season Jameer Gibbs RB 10 in total PPR fantasy points let's see in terms of a per game basis he was actually all the way up to the RB 8 so very much will be in that legit RB 1 you know top 12 conversation here for 2024 obviously still has another football game to get done with for now at least one more they will be taking on again the 49ers next Sunday night at 6 30 p.m. Niners currently favored by six and a half points in that one so final two notes on the Lions I would say as great as as Goff's day was overall, got really lucky early on, had an interception dropped in the end zone that would have been horrible, but again, otherwise was pretty much lights out. And also, Dwayne, we got some news this morning. The Lions have gone ahead and signed former Eagles and Cardinals veteran tight end Zach Ertz to the picture. Wouldn't be surprised if he's actually inactive in a normal game, but as we were talking about before the show, Dwayne, might just be insurance on Sam Laporta not being 100% more than anything.
1: Yeah, and Laporta looked good this weekend, but he also took a big hit at the end of the game. A couple of low shots, like a lot of tight ends have to deal with. No one wants to tackle him up top; they're typically bigger guys. And so, Laporta, if you watched him, he was a little bit ginger towards the end of that game. So maybe it's just uh, like a protective move, just in case he has to miss some time. Because if for some reason, you know, you're in a game and Laporta goes down, like no one cares about Brock Wright; like no one's gonna. It's not gonna be an issue for a defense to deal with him. But Zach Ertz, we at least saw earlier this year, Ian. He was still earning targets. Um, no, he's not doing a ton with them, but he's a guy that a quarterback like Jared Goff can trust. He knows how to he knows leverage and zone coverage and all those sort of things. He can help you move the chains. And uh like I, I could see him coming in and playing that kind of role if something happens with Laporta, but to your point, I don't think anything else, you know, of it. Uh sorry, guys. I know I, I had the I had the the four leg parlay we missed on Amon Ra. I thought he had a chance, man, to get there. The way the game worked out at the end. You have a hundred. Like, Yeah, I had I I did it. I yeah, I teased it up to 100. Well, we're not teasing it, but yeah, I took the alternate line of 100 yards at plus 125. All the other legs hit. Uh, When we put that video out, Baker was at 247. He ended up uh, his line was up like almost to two. His he was at 270 when the game kicked. So we'll take that. And then Jared Goff was at 272 when I recorded the video. He ended up at 287. That was his line. And then Mike Evans, he got pushed up like seven yards, but his alt line was what we took. We took mm-hmm. 80. We got 80 yards at plus 145 when, when the video was made. So that was totally a race. But look, Evans came through. He had a great game that the target share we talked about, the lines like to play a lot of, a lot of man coverage. And to this point, you know, in the season I haven't calculated in from, from yesterday's game, but he had a 37% target share against man that obviously continued. Baker was just going to him often and early dropped a couple of balls early Baker's like, I don't care. I'm coming right back to you. So yeah, it was great to see for Evans and really going to be interesting. Ian, like what happens with Mike Evans? Uh, You know, probably will have a lot to do with what the Buccaneers do with Baker. Like they're going to have to commit probably to Baker for Evans to want to stay hang around so i'm really interested because he could be a huge free agent for some of these big quarterbacks that we talk about that just don't really have a number two weapon looks like he still has a couple of good years left so excited to see what happens with mike evans this offseason
0: you mentioned those drops and as great as evans was this year and obviously baker those drops really were you know the tail of the season for the buccaneers i think i shouted out last pod but just one more time for those who missed it uh sam hoppin from uh fancy pros that's right, excuse me, pointed out that using some FTN data, the Bucks actually lost more EPA on drops than any other offense this year, and that was even for accounting things like potential yak on those drops. So, again, as great as Baker's season was, and especially that wild card game, honestly, didn't even get as much help from the pass catchers as you might otherwise expect. Contrary to what CJ Cardner Johnson was saying in the pregame lead up. I mean, hell Dwayne, the first interception Baker threw was dropped by Mike Evans before it ended up being deflected to the safety. Yeah his second interception was his fault, but it was also, you know, a minute 30 left in the game needed to drive the whole field needed to take some risks. And that one did not work out. So otherwise went out firing. Unfortunately, Dwayne, my candle bet hit, you know, he got over 257 passing yards. So I guess we won, but I, you know, I love candles. So it would have been a lot cooler to me. <laughs> we'll see what happens hey, next you also week. hit The uh, the Rashad white,
1: um, dude, you know, call for us on the LG show. Didn't we? We got yeah, that one too. It's
0: been fun uh doing our betting props pod with uh Jeff Ulrich and Matthew Friedman, because those guys have been crushing it all season long. But yeah, we had some uh some nice uh you know bets in this weekend from the entire fantasy live crew. So hopefully you guys got in on some of those. And yeah, maybe just maybe we'll finally get that last leg of our respective parlays to hit on our conference uh, championship weekend. So otherwise, I would just again shout out to Baker. If we're looking at the last five years, only Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have more playoff games with at least three passing touchdowns. That surprised. me. And yeah, you mentioned the Mike Evans, Dwayne, 97 yards in the first half. He does turn 31 in August, but just based on what we've seen this year, other than a few ill-time drops, still very much just looks like the alpha beast that he's been ever since stepping into the NFL. So I have a well, question for you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. How high
1: are you willing to take Rashad White? A guy Ooh. that, you know, got all the work, but honestly was not very efficient. Um, He was okay in the passing game, but wasn't like elite, but I don't know how much that is just, they have other really good, you know, target earners um like 16 percent targets per outrun is like not that's that's not even like run that's like borderline running back too yeah but i I know a lot of this will have to do with what the bucks do in the offseason but let's say the bucks don't do anything at at running back and and they keep baker how you feel about rashad white
0: i think i'm pulling the trigger in round three
1: round three yeah
0: that's not about right i'm pulling up our mark to see where he went
1: Yeah, I think he scares me in that range because he fits perfectly into that profile of guys that the year before sucked and you got him in round six or seven and then you had to pay a round three price tag the next year. So it's like Josh Jacobs, like all Leonard Fournette, all these guys that do this over and over. I think I'm probably going to stay away at a round three price tag. Um, But the market could be sharp enough that pushes him down to like round four or five. Then I might be interested. I think the big thing for Rashad, he's got to avoid them drafting another running back. They draft another running back. That's going to honestly, that might make him more draftable because people might just assume the other guy's going to take over because Rashad White wasn't really, you know, efficient. Like that's the narrative that will take over. And mm-hmm. then you might be able to get him around seven or eight. And that might make him more valuable.
0: Like, why are we giving ETN the, you know, benefit of doubt ahead of Rashad White?
1: Well, I think number one, they're less likely to draft a running back if we're just talking today, right? Because talking today the first is round, That's fair. Yeah, because it's the first round draft capital. But even at, let's say that they, you know, they don't take a another guy in Tampa, and we know they're not going to do it in Jacksonville, and they're on equal footing. Um, I, I still think I slightly lean to Etienne as the more talented player, but he didn't have a great year. I no. mean, he was not all those big things that you know were we're out there as far as here's why you still have to believe in Travis Etienne um and it was working out early in the year honestly none of those things came through it's not like he was hitting all the big plays uh it's not he didn't get more involved in the passing game like some people had hoped for um he did get the carries inside the 5 yard line now that definitely helped him out um but overall yeah I agree I I still think though at least Etienne has shown that upside you know hmm. to be more efficient than Rashad White so I would probably still lean to Etienne but I I totally get your argument
0: I think like here's my thing I totally get not wanting to use a third round pick on Rashad White but I think it's going to more or less be a thing. Like, I don't want to pick a running back in that range more so yeah. than like, I don't like Rashad I agree White specifically. So that's it. And you know, yeah, we'll have again, plenty of months to figure that out. But Rashad white did find his way into the end zone on a nice little well-designed screen. And that honestly has been one of the stories of this season. I know that, you know, the Buccaneers were just kind of kept waiting for them to kind of fall back to earth a little bit, but the work that Dave Canales did with Baker and according to this entire offense, Hey man, didn't look overly fluky out there. I know it was a good matchup. 1700.
1: yards. Yards, dude <laughs> yeah that's legit man That's, that's legit. Uh, that's, i'm looking at my list like the only guy in front of him is cmc
0: dude From and again totally like hard- i'm not saying again i'm not trying to say cmc out here i know some of the receiving metrics that you know i can point to you can see some messed up names near the top of those leaderboards as well but at a minimum man i think rashad white's in that tier below the eckler cmcs you know maybe not quite aaron jones good but like Running back or two you behind said, him.
1: You just said Eckler.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, muscle, it's muscle memory. Eckler's been so good for so long, man. It's muscle memory. But oh, I know, I so know what sad. you mean, though.
1: You mean that the the backs that are out there for all downs and they're going to catch balls
0: and get to run the ball.
1: That's what you mean. The good version of Austin Eckler. So, <laughs> the stat. good version, yeah.
0: Final note, Trey Palmer woke up pissed off like a mother effort, but sadly broke that touchdown streak. So I forget who brought that as, you know, great stat to prominence, talking about how Palmer had scored every single time he tweeted he was w- waking up pissed off, couldn't quite get it done out there. To,
1: uh, when that happened, uh, like some of the lines, like, were pulled down for a second. Uh, so I don't know if there was like an influx of people just betting on his anytime touchdown. And then it eventually put po- it posted back up and it like leveled off. But yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but I think that's what happens when we get into these weekends where everybody's so hyper-focused just on like, we, we only have a few games left, you know, and everybody's looking for a bet to make. And it's like, Oh, look at this narrative. Let's let's run with that. <laughs> and to, so, to his credit, like he played yeah. great the last week and Troy also brain farted on that one you know uh well no anyway wasn't Troy? it was chris (laughs) collinsworth but he was like hey they haven't targeted trey palmer i'm like "No, he's got two targets and two catches already in the game but hey i i I get it like i brain fart on stuff right here live probably already did it in this podcast
0: so again i'm not trying to completely you know hype up every single team that lost but seriously guys i think the buccaneers the packers and even the texans you can all look back at this season and actually feel pretty damn good about it especially relative to the expectations that you had back in august you can't quite say the same you paying baker Final loser uh
1: i, I don't think, think you're gonna have to break the bank for him i think you could sign baker to a like would you sign baker to a daniel jones contract no yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't either. I thought that was but a mistake. But I wouldn't assign
0: Daniel Jones to a Daniel Jones contract. I wouldn't contract, either. So it's not even so about so Baker versus Dak. probably
1: – I have to think through all the teams, but I feel like that's going to be the range that his agent's going to shoot for.
0: I understand if your team-building idea is I either want an elite rookie quarterback. I am only going to sign – the quarterbacks that are Mahomes or Allen level good and you have no doubts about you're not giving the Daniel Jones of the world an extension. And then you don't even want to mess around with the middle tier. If that's your plan, then I get it. But Baker, I don't know how you can say he's not a top 20 quarterback in the league at the moment, maybe top 25. So if you are a team where you do want to have the one-year stopgate or you don't want to start your rookie quarterback, but you still want the team to be competitive, then I think Baker's your guy for that. Whether or not he is willing to take that sort of a role remains to be seen. So long-term, Dwayne, What did Gino no, get? What did Gino get last year? It was like a three-year, three-year, 100. That, that'd probably be the thing. I bet he could get a two or three-year. Three-year
1: worth up to 75 mil with a team uh, out 40 mil year. guaranteed.
0: Yeah. I'd be okay with a Gino deal. That's more reasonable.
1: Yeah. Give your, you have to give yourself outs. Yeah. So it'll just depend on how many suitors there are for Baker. If he doesn't have a ton and a lot of people aren't bought in, they could probably get a deal like that done. But you, you, to me, you've got to leave yourself outs. The, the problem for the bucks is going to be. They're probably, they're getting older at certain spots on defense. Um, like Levante David is getting up there. Like Vita Vea, like he's still in his prime. Yeah. Uh, you know, the cornerbacks are still, they're getting a little older, but they're not terrible. Um, I'm just looking at their team right now. I don't know, man. Like the one challenge is you're probably getting stuck in that mediocrity, like that middle tier. You're never going to be, yeah. you're never going to get the top pick. And you're also you know, going to be just good enough that you, you're trying to keep competing. So you got to give yourself outs. That's what I would say.
0: And, and that's the argument because it's more like, do you want to go into a season with a guy who you know is not a top 10 quarterback, but you also know he's not, you know, a bottom, you know, outside the top 30 or something like that. So, hey, we've now seen Baker's second half of his rookie season really resemble a very good quarterback in the 2020 season when he got the Browns, you know, their only playoff win since 1995. And then obviously this season as well. That said, 2019, 2021, 2022, I know there were some injuries involved there, but those did still happen. I would caution just a little bit from crowning Baker's ass as, you know, this longtime franchise quarterback. But, hey, certainly feel much better about him at this point in time than we did just a few short months ago. On to the final game, the Chiefs took down the Bills in a thriller, 27-24. to 24. Obviously, the Chiefs covered as two-and-a-half-point dogs. The overcast here at 45-and-a-half. Chiefs will have now made the AFC Championship game in all six years with Mahomes as their starting quarterback. That is absolutely ridiculous. But, hey, man, he went out there and once again proved that he is the number one signal caller in the NFL at the moment, if not maybe ever when everything is all said and done. So, still plenty of time for him to cement that. But, man, 17-for-23, 215 yards two touchdowns zero picks and zero sacks on the on the evening so 11.1 adjusted yards per attempt which just helps account for sacks and things like that that was his highest mark of the season and just from an entire really pass catching standpoint other than me Hartman Dwayne it did seem like all these pass catchers saved their best for his performance We have Marquez Valdez-Scantling making multiple contested catches out there. I mean, that was incredible to even see him get those targets in the first place. Travis Kelsey was showing off some yak, making some explosive plays for the first time in a while. It really was just an all-around great performance by this passing game. Isaiah Pacheco ended up chipping in 111 total yards on his own right. I mean, again, other than Miko Hartman, who hilariously had one carry, one catch, one yard, and two fumbles, including one that went through the end zone and lost them possession. I mean, this really was probably, Dwayne, the best we've this his chiefs offense look all season long
1: yeah and they went run heavy they actually just stole the bills formula uh Jesus. and matched it back to them they had a minus 10 drop back rate over expectation despite this game being very competitive tight them being down for a good portion of the game never out of it but you know within striking distance and they stuck with the run Isaiah Pacheco obviously had a huge game. I mean, and he's just played really well, Ian. I mean, he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry on the season now uh, for Pacheco. Been a little more involved in the passing game here down the stretch since we've lost Jarek McKinnon. Doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back this this, uh, postseason. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got your playmakers. Rasheed Rice got banged up in the game, and the other guys had to step up. And to your point, they did. They got some single high coverage. Uh, and they were able to come through with some big plays to to MVS. One down the sideline. The second one, I don't know if it was single high or not because that was more of a deep mm-hmm. crossing route. I couldn't see where the other safety was on that play. But yeah, it was really big. It, still, MVS doesn't know what to do with his hands. He nearly dropped the one on the sideline. He like bobbled <laughs> it, double-clutched it, and then on the crosser, his hands are like, People can't see this. This is terrible podcasting, but like they're not the way they're supposed to be. Like, I don't know how MVS is a professional receiver and he still doesn't know where to put his hands when a football is coming to him. But anyway, to your point, it doesn't matter. He came up with those plays, but still, man, like, uh, I don't know. Go into the Ravens. You have Patrick Mahomes. So you are always alive going to play against Pat against, you know, any team when you have Mahomes. I guess the good thing is you, the Ravens. Now this past week, they were good against the run against Devin Singletary. But before that, they've been pretty shaky. So there's a, there's a chance that the Chiefs can go there and kind of keep this same game plan as long as they can keep it close. And that gives them a chance where the receivers only just need to come through with a few plays, not all of them. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, he was king yesterday. Yeah. He played great. Uh, you know, that that touchdown catch that he had, the first one, like, was fine. It's Travis Kelsey. The second one, you know, being the age he is, like, still catching the ball basically on a screenplay. You know, and then taking it in, you know, from inside the five yard line, that was, that's, that's old school Kelsey stuff. Not really looking rusty, throwing up the heart to Taylor or, and freaking Jason Kelsey going nuts in the stands. That was so funny. <laughs> my Amanda, my wife, she's like, come on, man, put a shirt on. I was like, no, don't put a shirt on. I was like, it's great. And they're cutting to Taylor, you know, and he's behind just chugging a beer.
0: It was the best. Dude, that was so funny when they did finally cut to uh, T-Swift and then it was just, yeah, Kelsey shirtless in the background, had no idea it was on camera, just absolutely (laughs) chucking it. So, yeah, everyone, you know, I get it. Chill the hell out. Taylor Swift loves football. You know how many daughters and people now just love watching football because of her? Find a new slant. That's my a total take on that situation. If you want to hate on a woman for, you know, her football takes, it's Meryl Streep. I'll say that, you know, day here's after. what
1: I'll say. Taylor Swift is more <laughs> talented and smarter than most every dude listening to this show.
0: Hey guys, <laughs> we, we made it over an hour before getting to Swift. That's better than most. But She, she is softer. like,
1: she's not just look, I get it. If you don't like her music, it's geared towards a certain audience. My daughter loves her. So I know the songs because they're on in the car all the time, <laughs> but it's not the worst thing. Like, it's fine. I'm good with it. But I'm not going to go search out to listen to Taylor Swift if my daughter's (laughs) not into it. So I get that aspect. But, man, like she is a good businesswoman. This woman is pumping billions of dollars into our economy with her tour. I'm not going to get into all these things. But she's not just like, you know, some basically like just, uh, you know, hit with a bunch of young kids. Like she's been doing this a long time. She obviously is a very smart person. So I think you just got to give her props. And like you said, it's just it's expanding how many people like the NFL.
0: Nothing wrong with that. And finally, giving shout-out to, again, Travis Kelsey. Connected with his 16th playoff touchdown with Patrick Mahomes. That is the most by any quarterback-receiver duo in postseason history. So, truly a great performance. The only somewhat negatives, there was a drive early on where the Chiefs had to settle for a field goal where it did look like, you know, perfect passes. Could have found first MBS and then Travis Kelsey for a touchdown from 10 yards out. Again, maybe the only misses from Mahomes on the afternoon. So, on the other side of the ball man just they tried to use pretty much the same strategy they had been doing that is run the piss yeah. out of the ball I don't necessarily blame them for it I mean when you me and Chris really breaking down these matchups I believe the top three teams in terms of light boxes. So, you know, fewer than eight defenders in the box all season long were the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Bills. I mean, this is what we see from modern day, really good offenses. They are stout enough against the run that they can keep, you know, six, seven defenders there and then devote more res- resources to the passing game. That allows their corners to play more aggressive, better against the pass. And you just hope that you can get a random stop against the run before, you know, hopefully getting a punt or turnover, things of that nature. So. Not hating on the overall philosophy, but man, Dwayne, just 18 carries, 61 yards for James Cook. We had Ty Johnson touching the ball seven times. Just ended up not quite being enough. So, hey, I don't want to say, you know, too many bad takeaways with Bill's offense, because lest we forget, they were just a 44-yard field goal away from tying things, you know, late with under two minutes left in the fourth quarter. But a little too much emphasis on running backs not named Josh Allen out there. I don't know. That would be my only nitpicky uh, part of the game plan. Yeah, Yeah, I mean –
1: I don't know, man. Like, I hope their takeaway isn't from the end of the season. Oh, once we started running the ball, we became a good team. You have an elite <laughs> quarterback. Don't waste this. Go upgrade these freaking receivers. Like, there's not enough good receivers on the team. Stefan Diggs did not play well. Like, he he got his he got some targets, twenty percent target share, but like Diggs, he had a couple chances to come through with some big plays, okay. and he was not able to. So that's that's partly on him. I don't think Diggs is washed or anything but you got to give him someone else Khalil Sh- Shakir, you know, like he played admirably, you know, he caught a great touchdown. That was a great throw from Josh oh, Allen. Yeah. Just, I mean, God, like it doesn't get any better. Nails. Like Amanda was so disappointed. Cause like, you know, the, the bills went back ahead. It was back and forth all game. Great. The best game of the weekend was this oh, yeah. one. And, um, you know, I just told her, I was like, like, look, you just have, that's a great throw and a great catch. Like, you just have to give like you just have to give them both their props. She's like, yeah, she didn't want to, but <laughs> like, it was a really good catch. But Shakir, like, it was nice, twenty six percent target share, but still on the season nine percent his targets per route run, which cuts through all the time he didn't get to be on the field. Fifteen percent, mm-hmm. that's not good enough. They do not have an answer at the wide receiver two position. You can cross your fingers and hope Khalil Shakir turns into that guy, but they have to go do something. Ian, um, look, Dalton Kincaid, he played. You know he got banged up a little bit, so he missed some time. He was in the blue tent for for a while, but I, I think he's going to be a good tight end. I think you have Stephon Diggs, but you have to have some concern as Stephon as Stephon Diggs really the same Stephon Diggs that we used to have. He's still good, but I don't know that he's great anymore. So I think you got to go make another investment. I hope the takeaway isn't okay. We're just going to be a run heavy team, and that helped us win more. No, you have Josh Allen, like defenses will thank you if all you're going to do is run the ball when you have josh allen as your quarterback so hopefully that's not their takeaway i kind of hope they make another move at offensive coordinator who knows what they're going to do i mean they can make big changes to be honest like at this point with with how many times they've lost in the divisional round so we'll see what happens with buffalo but man i'm really hoping that the takeaway is i oh my god we need to run the ball all the time and if they I think watching the offseason signings is going to be big for us. Obviously, we'll get news around coaching what they're going to do there. But if they want to run the ball all the time like this, like they're going to they're going to bring somebody in to be the main guy over James Cook, I think. Like cuz yeah. they don't want to, they're giving Ty Johnson all this work right yeah. now. Like Ty Johnson? Really? If you're not going to give James Cook the work because of that, if they sign anyone of significance or if they draft anyone and put any draft capital into it, I think it's going to be a, a major hindrance for James Cook. So we'll have to wait and see on those fronts. James Cook had a great year. We love him, um, but he's, he's a best fit, in my opinion, for a team that wants to throw the ball more,
0: not a team that wants to be this run-heavy banging between
1: the tackles operation.
0: It's really going to be tough, you know, just figuring out how we want to approach Cook and Diggs uh, going into 2024 because we have stretches for both where it's like, okay, yeah, round like high-end, Round one, round two pick, honestly, like Swift, we I mean, not Swift, James Cook, we had five straight games with 100 plus total yards, scored four touchdowns. Even since then, man, he's had between 16 and 22 touches in his next five games. The problem is he's had 70, 44, 52, 84 and 82 scoreless yards. I said Swift because this reminds me exactly what we got this year from DeAndre Swift and Philly. Yes, there were spurts, and you can see it really from both these guys. If DeAndre Swift and James Cook played on 99-yard football fields, like we're talking about like modern-day LaDainian Tomlinson's out there, that's a hyperbole. Okay, I understand. You know, LT is a true goat in the game and everything. But, you know, Dwayne, it's just one of these situations where Cook and Swift Yes, they were both explosive. Yes, they can catch passes. But when they're in offenses with quarterbacks that don't overly go out of the way to throw them the football, and then once again the five-yard line just have a completely foreign role compared to any other quarterback we've ever seen pretty much, it does make life that much more tough. So with Cook, man, I'll be really interested to see where he goes because, again – If we're ranking the guy as a top 12 running back, we did see Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray, you know, some very average veterans be able to come in and take away some of the rushing share. And just to be, you know, completely clear about it, I'm not so sure that we're going to be able to see Cook get this level of feature treatment moving forward. It keeps messing up a lot of the opportunities, man. He dropped four touchdowns this season. Yes, they managed to score a touchdown a couple plays after his drop today. But you know, as much as we can see the Cowboys game in some weeks, where yeah, James Cook looks explosive. He looks like a very good football player. It's not like we watched you know 19 straight Bills games, Dwayne, and you know each and every time it's not the same
1: as watching Jameer Gibbs. Like that's what you're hoping for. It's not the same thing. Jameer Gibbs is on another planet. You know, so I think Cook. I think James Cook is good. And the that, that's where watching the game really does matter. The efficiency numbers are going to tell you those two players are similar, but when you watch it, yep. you will see those two players are not similar. Um, like they're similar archetypes, but one is clearly better than the other. And so, I think Gibbs deserves to have that round one treatment next year. Like for me with James Cook, you know, worst case you're taking Jameer Gibbs in round two. Probably going to be a round one pick. We'll see how it all works out with James Cook. I don't even know if I'll be comfortable pulling the trigger on him in the third round. Again, no. Even assuming they don't sign anyone else. Now, let's see who what they do. Maybe they sign, you know, a coordinator that we really love. Um something along those lines. Maybe they move on at head coach and they go after Ben Johnson. They put him in charge of this offense. Okay? Then like we'll reevaluate. <laughs> we'll reevaluate what we think about, you know, James Cook. But I think it's going to be a challenge right now with where his I can't remember where he went.
0: In our way too early mock draft. I want to say round three or four. I remember going into this year, one of my comps was he could be a poor man's Jameer Gibbs based on the fact that, you know, until really getting close to the season, he was more of like a round seven, round eight type of running back. Got streamed up higher. And so from that round three versus round seven standpoint, that was fine. But yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And James Cook, did he go? Ended up going round six, end of round six. Oh, that's not bad. That's That's not not bad. bad. And what's funny is I passed him there.
1: Yeah, uh, I passed him, and I took Pacheco coming back in round seven. Um, and Pacheco's shaky. Like a lot of that area of the draft is going to change as we see who gets signed. Right. Right now, you're just kind of th- throwing darts to be honest at running backs. You don't know who's going to get knocked down by, by the draft or free agency, all those sort of mm-hmm. things. But I could see Buffalo, Ian, going out and and grabbing someone even off the free agency heap to really be like the pounder. But look, they're willing to run Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson out there. Why not just get Derrick Henry?
0: It's going to be a little bit harder with their money situation. Shout out to Those guys aren't going to get a ton. Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, if you are trying to ring chase and stuff, it would make sense to go with the Bills and try to make that happen. But Josh Allen's current cap hit for 2024, shout out to Paul Hembe Kitties for the info, is 47.1 million. This year it was just 18.6. Last year, 16.4, 10.2 million or less in 21, 20, 2020, and 2019. So work it. They're going to rework it, but it is going to be more difficult moving forward than it was over these past few years. So I do question just how big of an addition they can make. Maybe they move on from digs.
1: I, I wonder if they
0: if they the want thing, to go man. with
1: more of a Packers approach and try to reload at the position and go, if they could get some draft capital out of it and go, now you got to hit on the stuff. Yeah, I, I think digs, you know, you were mentioning digs, like where will he go? Like he, I think, if he goes in the range of like where Keenan Allen was going this year, I'm going to be all in on Stefan Diggs. Like if you can get him at the end of round three, early round four, I think that's kind of the worst case tier you can put him in as was some of the other aging vets that we know still have been good, probably in the mix with like Cooper cup, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs. We'll see where those guys settle out, but I would be comfortable taking him in a tier with those guys. I don't, think after the way the season ended that people are still going to put him up in that in that round one tier i think stefan Diggs is a back end round two middle of round three pick i I, w- I think i would be still be fine with with Diggs in the middle of three if the bills don't do something different
0: his season isn't that dissimilar from what he pulled off in 2021 maybe a little more you know first half or started off great half volatile but that's the thing man you look up like i feel like when you see the 107 catches 1183 yards and eight touchdowns you're like I mean, that sounds like a pretty damn good wide receiver one season. What's the problem? But, man, Dwayne can't stress enough just how rough it has been. Seven of his last 10 games, he has had under 50 scoreless yards. Just one touchdown since Week 10. This one blew my mind. Since Week 10, which was that Broncos game where we ended up seeing Dorsey get fired after. Khalil Shakur has more yards than Diggs. 462 versus 422 with less than half the targets, just 37 for Shakur, 84 digs. So Dalton Kincaid is also outgained digs since then. Again, can't overstate just how rough of an ending stretch it was. And do I need mention week 10 is
1: where they flipped the switch also on like move into these drop back rates. Like they were so much lower than expected week 10 was minus 11%. That was the beginning of that all occurring. And then you kind of, you were fine. You had a 4%, 1%, 10%, but then minus 10, minus 16, minus nine. So, that, that's the challenge. That's yeah. why I hope that they don't the take away right. is an, oh, run the ball more. Because if there's a risk of them running the ball that much, and this being a little bit more spread out, that's not good for Stefan Diggs.
0: You mentioned just, you know, sometimes the eye test does help. And we had that in, you know, full motion today, eight minutes left in the game. Josh Allen threw one of the longest passes we've seen probably all year, like 70 yard heave down to the opposite 20 yard line. Right on but, the money right off Stefan Diggs' hands and fell incomplete. So Diggs was going back, you know, going like that. It's like, yeah, bro, it was that close. You probably should have caught the opportunity. It wasn't an overthrow or anything like that. So on the other side of the coin, Khalil Shakur's touchdown, as you brought up, absolutely spectacular and was the First touchdown to go against Chiefs cornerback LeJarius Sneed on the season. I don't think there's anything Sneed could have done there, but either way, hats off to Shakur. Arguably, Dwayne could have had the game winning touchdown with, uh, you know, under two minutes left. He was open down the middle from 26 yard out. Looked very similar to the, you know, go ahead score that Gabe Davis had against the Chiefs a couple years ago. But Josh Allen had a little bit of pressure. He didn't hit a little bit. It wasn't a layup by any stretch of the imagination, but Shakira was open enough if the ball could have got there. Alas, it didn't. Otherwise, man, again, gonna have a lot to talk about with Stefan Diggs. His contract is feasible to get out of. If they want to do a post-June first cut, they could save 19 million and they would only have 8.5 million left in dead money. That's pretty much the case in each of these next four years. So it's not a situation where, like, okay, this year and then after 2025, it really becomes feasible. Wouldn't be surprised at all if that ends up being a big time discussion. But hey, that's That was a discussion with Keenan Allen this last year. And then we wake up in week one, Dwayne. He's still the number one receiver in LA, still putting up (laughs) number one receiver sort of numbers. So I think that's a very fair comp for Diggs. Final point would just be... What the fuck are we doing giving DeMar Hamlin a fake punt? Are you kidding me, man? So McDermott said after the game, it was planned, called from the sideline. When asked about the alternative to an actual offensive play, he referred to the quote-unquote element of surprise. So apparently there were only 10 Chiefs defenders on the field, but I'm not even sure if that's what led to McDermott calling the play accordingly. So that was just horrific, man. That should lose him his job, and I'm not even saying When you have
1: Josh Allen... Yes, I will take Josh Allen over the element of surprise and it's the playoffs. There's element of surprise. Like, I feel like people are on high alert for all that kind of stuff. I know it's gutsy going from where they were at on the field. I know it's gutsy, but yeah, just give me Josh Allen over the element of, oh, maybe they won't. Maybe we can sneak this past them. I would rather the defense know what's coming and have Josh Allen than that.
0: It was just a snap with like a lead blocker running right up the middle. They needed five yards. It wasn't like they needed one yard out there. I couldn't believe
1: it as I was watching it. I was like, what is this? And yeah, I didn't even notice it was just 10 players until the announcer mentioned it.
0: Maybe, you know, again, Sean McDermott knows more about X's nose than I do. Maybe they had it planned perfectly. They had an extra blocker and all this and that. But really? Has DeMar Hamlin ever carried the ball in a football game? Like, my God, man. Just did not get that call And this is at the all. tough
1: thing with coaches Ian, when you have a guy like Josh Allen who is for sure a top 3 quarterback in the NFL, you can argue you could make an argument that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. You can make that argument for Josh Allen. Um if you're not just looking at wins in these games where Mahomes is beating him, but just looking at everything else. And I'm fine. Look, call Mahomes number 1. I don't care. My point is the talent is there. It's really hard in my opinion to to judge some of these guys and think that there shouldn't be more like all those years with McCarthy and he was good, but he had Aaron Rodgers. We see this kind of stuff all the time. To me, it's not that I just necessarily dislike McDermott, but the mm-hmm. bottom line is you have a top three quarterback in the league. The expectations are higher. You can't continue to waste this. My gut is McDerm- McDermott, like he's a mid coach. He's mid. Yeah. He's mid. He has Josh Allen. I mean, that's to me, that's where you can't have any except, ex- exceptions. You've got to make a change.
0: I'm looking up right now. Hamlin in his three-year career has never gotten an interception. He's never gotten a fumble recovery. He's never had a fake punt. So you picked the freaking last eight minutes in the fourth quarter of a divisional round game to give this dude the football for the first time. Just, I don't know. I don't know, Dwayne. I did not like the call. And accordingly, you know, it didn't directly lead to – thanks to Mecole Hartman, it didn't directly lead to the loss. But my God, man, like if I'm really mad at anything as a Bills fan, it would have been that play more so than just about anything else. So only other point is just uh, keep an eye on Chiefs All-Pro guard Joe Thunny. He is undergoing an MRI on Monday for the pectoral injury he uh, suffered. Obviously, want to see the Chiefs be at full strength ahead of that matchup against Baltimore. But otherwise, Wayne, think That wraps it up. Leave it to us to still manage to go 75 minutes with only four games to talk about. But obviously, four very important ones and four really fun games, especially, again, that Chiefs and Bills finale. So anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend?
1: No. Nothing else to get off my chest. I've, we've already gone too
0: long. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Thank you in advance to our lovely producers for getting this up. And thank you to you. Listen to us right now for continuing to tune in into the fantasy live podcast. So still a few more games. And then guess what, everybody? It's going to be free agency. It's going to be NFL draft. It's going to be more and more things that we will be happy to help get you guys prepped for ready for and then you know just hopefully learning some actionable fantasy football decisions from because then we got to go ahead and win some 2024 2025 championships so for Dwayne I'm Ian thanks again for tuning into the fantasy live podcast and until next time take care everybody